from another time comes a man of great power. I mean, I can talk, you know that for the start. A warrior of incredible strength. He takes people very straight. He might be abrupt at times, he can be blunt. But he's always honest. A man uncertain of his future. I don't know what changes I'll make, I don't know what I'll do. A hero who is about to face his greatest challenge. Which I think sets the scene well for a, for a clash with uh, Belgium. I believe the game is a thinking game. Sit down and take it easy. Maybe a bit volatile. Hello and welcome back once again to another episode of Back to Jack. Our trawls for that glorious period of Irish football when Jack Charlton was at the helm and all was right with the world. I'm joined once again by John Breslin and Dave Donnelly. How are you doing, lads? Not too bad, Terrellock. How are you? I'm very good. John, yourself? Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Surviving. Very informative chatter there just to set up our <laughs> our comeback episode. But uh, So, lads, how are we feeling about this group, I suppose? There's teams we've, we've just witnessed at the World Cup. Some do very well, such as tonight's opponents, who obviously were semi-finalists. So, um... Dave, a group of Belgium, Scotland, Bulgaria and Luxembourg. How do you rate Ireland's chances of coming out on top of that pile? Um, if if it was the sort of group that you, you looked at on paper, you'd be a little bit worried, especially with only one team going through. And the fact that we hadn't ever been to a finals in history, uh, you would have viewed it with a bit of maybe, um, not trepidation, but uh, I suppose a bit of scepticism. Skept- don't think Ireland are massively uh, inferior to any of those sides either. Well, I suppose the Brady question. Um, he's, he's what is he? T- he's thirty, and Jack wants him to play maybe in a in a fashion that that, that the Brady isn't used to. He's got a bit of an embarrassment of riches, I suppose, at centre half. With McCarthy has kind of become his man. Dave O'Leary's been left out um, a couple of times recently, so I suppose he needs to keep all those uh, talented centre halves happy. Um, Paul McGrath in midfield seems to be that question seems to be answered. Um, so there's a few questions, and there's a bit of hysteria before this game as well about um, the financial stability of the FAI. Um, there's a Herald article that says that there's a lot riding on this game in Brussels. Uh, the Ireland need to put on a good showing and impress the public, or else the, the 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 gate receipts aren't going to be there in Lansdowne Road for the for the rest of the group games. This is the grandstand computer cutting in to tell you that we lost a bit of audio here. It was about Ireland's friendly against Liverpool at Flower Lodge in August, which Liverpool won 2-1. We also mentioned the under-21s 0-0 draw with Belgium in their opening qualifier, and touched on David O'Leary's omission from the senior squad. Now back to back to Jack, and back to John. Tony Grealish uh, is left out as well, and uh, Robinson, who played Jack's first game. Sheedy is a notable omission as well. He's doing well for Everton, but um, Jack said that he, he's only got 18 uh, men in his panel, and the boy has been injured, and uh, he's got plenty of left-sided players available. Just speaking of interpersonal uh, 
relationships with Jack Charlton. Um, I think we'll find out that Eamon Dunphy uh, tends to go up and down a little bit, but uh, having been very sceptical early on in the in the Jack Charlton regime, he's taken one of his trademark changes at heart and uh, ahead of the game is fully in support of Jack Charlton. Oh, hold on a minute now, you've jumped over the fence, baby. He writes a piece in the Sunday Independent. Charlton is different, a non-conformist who's honest, belligerent, insensitive and bloody-minded. He may make the odd conciliatory gesture to the press or the FAI, his nominal masters, but broadly speaking, Jack doesn't give a damn what anyone thinks. He is, in other words, the stuff of which sound wartime leaders are made. He is MacArthur rather than Gandhi. Almost time for kickoff here at the what's now the, the King Badouin Stadium, formerly the Heisel, in Brussels, uh, Belgium. Obviously, as we said, semi finalists at the recent World Cup, and the Ireland team that is taking them on consists of Bonner in goal, Langen and Hutton in the fullback slots, Lawrenson and Moran, a new pairing in the middle with, with McCarthy missing. In midfield, um, Paul McGrath anchors the midfield alongside Liam Brady. All eyes on him in terms of how he fits in with Jack's system. Wide on the right is Ray Houghton. Wide on the left is Tony Galvin. And up front, the veteran Frank Stapleton and the newcomer John Aldridge. Thoughts on that, John? No surprises there, really, uh, Turlock. You've got Stapleton and Aldridge up front, which does seem to be, um, yeah, they're the two main men for Jack up top. Uh, McGrath, obviously midfield, a lot of chat about that. Him and Brady... That seems to be the, the starting two there as well for Jack. Um, centre-halves kind of picked themselves with McCarthy out injured, obviously, and O'Leary in the bad books. Um, Hewton has established himself as, as the left-back for, for Jack. He's, he's been there the last um, three or four games, I think. And Tony Galvin on the left wing, again, he's established himself. He's been there the last few games. Uh, the only thing, Langan there at right-back, Anderson is out. It's kind of been either Anderson or Langan for, for Jack at right-back. But uh, yeah, no surprises really. Uh, it's it's the strongest eleven, I suppose, at our disposal. And Dave, who are the danger men on the Belgian side? As I keep going back to on this show over and over again, uh, it's largely a home-based Belgian squad. Um, ten of the players uh, in the starting lineup are based in Belgium at the time. Uh, the only exception is goalkeeper Jean-Marie Faf, who's, uh, as we saw at the World Cup, is a uh, a really classy operator, the Bayern Munich goalkeeper. Uh, but the main danger man is Enzo Schifo, very much at the, the early part of his career, sort of um, very raw at the time, but uh, a, a huge operator and, um, you know, the the biggest danger man in terms of attacking the talent going forward for Belgium. OK, we, we should note as well that this game is obviously taking place at the stadium where the, the Heisel disaster had occurred uh, just a bit over a year earlier. The European Cup final, obviously, between Liverpool and Juventus, descended into into tragedy with, with many lives lost. Against such a violent backdrop, the match itself was predictably a tense and subdued affair. How much the players have been told of the tragedy isn't clear, but the action at times reflected the shock mood in the stadium. Liverpool's Lawrence lasted just three minutes, when an old shoulder injury returned. He left for the dressing room, no doubt relieved to be out of the fray. Mark Lawrenson was a member of the Liverpool team that night 
and obviously he's present in the starting 11 for Ireland here as well and some photographers had tried to get him to do a, a photo shoot at the at the end of the ground where the tragedy occurred uh, he was needless to say um, extremely extremely offended and put out by that suggestion as was Jack Charlton so that lent a bit of a put a bit of a pall over proceedings and I suppose added a bit of tension as well on on a night that was already tense for footballing reasons. Um, I shall throw out as well that the Belgian manager for this game, just to kind of, if, if we can if we can break character for a moment and just um, reflect on how long ago this all was, the Belgian manager Guy Thies was born in 1922, so he would be not quite 101 years old if he was still alive. Kick-off just moments away on Ireland's very first competitive outing under Jack Charlton. So yeah, let's hold on to our flat caps, count down white stripe style to kick off, and uh, here we go. Looking at the lineups, and the Belgians without Ronquin and Kerritz, both of whom are injured. Belgium in very fetching, all red with yellow trim. Ireland in all green, and Jack Charlton, or Packy Bonner in an extraordinary little ensemble there have to get another look at it now there Turlock but black and orange featuring strongly in the goalie jersey there for Packy it's almost like the current uh, away jersey early signs here in Brussels Ireland have started pretty positively getting the ball forward early as, as the old euphemism goes passing it around nicely though it's very confident on the ball Brady before the game Jack is saying that he, he wants him to be more attack minded that he doesn't want him tapping the ball around the midfield too much and he wants him to, to get it forward yeah it's it's kind of um, as well striking that uh, just as you said that he was playing at left back but it's it's interesting to note just in the first few minutes that himself and Shifo are both sort of basically operating in every single position yeah that's that's funny because Jack said before the game that he will have to change his style and pattern um, but straight away he's kind of doing what he wants to do good attempt by the Belgians to break through there but Baki Bonner quickly off his line and another look at that extraordinary outfit that he's, he's resplendent in it's basically a kind of almost a fluorescent orange body of his goalkeeper shirt with black sleeves yeah, I just love the way the FAI they have forked out for a different goalkeeper jersey but they couldn't go as far as not having green socks no matching socks uh, tonight obviously not the only not the only foray into Europe for Irish teams. Um, our League of Ireland representatives have some big games coming up in the various European competitions. Uh, Celtic taking on Shamrock Rovers in a, a plum tie. Out at Milltown, the host club, Shamrock Rovers, have spent £10,000 on new security measures to improve crowd control and fire prevention. And the Gardaí say security around the area will be very tight. The Celtic fans have their own corral, well away from the 15,000 home supporters. I know that on that Shamrock Rovers tie, I know um, that's the tie where famously Celtic came over and were amazed by the quality of the Glenmore Park pitch, uh, uh, saying it was like a carpet. And then obviously, uh, as we know, about a year or two later, it was uh, all pulled down and replaced with a block of houses. Yeah, it was a literal carpet within within a couple of years, under underneath the feet of, feet of some very uh, well-to-do 
residents of South Dublin. There seems to be plenty of Ireland fans there anyway. Uh, I know this is pre pre uh, the boom of Irish football, but there seems to be a, a very big away presence at the game. Obviously, Belgium is easier to get to than some grounds will be, but uh, it's a fairly big contingent of Ireland fans from what I can see. Paddy Bonner between the Irish posts for the 12th time. Frankie Verkaifer to take the corner. Confusion of scored by Klasna, I think it was. But a dreadful goal for Ireland to give away. First corner of the match. 13 minutes gone, an unlucky 13 for Ireland. For Catherine's corner, curled in viciously, and Klassen it was. Nico Klassen, the standard Liège striker, who put it away. So that's a real body blow, because that last thing you need, playing the fourth best team in the world away from home. Oh, as Ireland the ball breaks the attack, in the though. box. That was a that was a, a kind of a scruffy breakaway for Ireland, which almost created a chance for for Brady, but was eventually kind of just skewed wide. So a corner kick to Ireland and an and instant response to a very scrap, scrappy goal that leaves Ireland. Yeah, it's the sort of it's the sort of scrappy position. goal that you wouldn't expect. Uh, well, that you'd never see under Jack Charlton, except for this time. Shout of the Belgian manager enjoying a cigar there. <laughs> Belgium on the break from that corner. Just they look dangerous, all right. Lawrenson tidied that up pretty well, though. Yeah. I must say that this Lawrenson, this Lawrenson Moran partnership doesn't look very natural to me. They've both kind of got similar uh, mullets as well, so it's kind of hard to make it make them out. So if we could get someone else back in there, it'd be easier to tell the difference. Well, I'm sure the silver fox Mick McCarthy is going to be a. Was was he grey at this point? I think I feel like he was always grey. Never not grey, yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very dangerous period of the game for Ireland. Um, Belgium pretty much running at, at them at will through the middle. As we get another look at the really extraordinary curved electronic scoreboard that takes up one end of the stadium, essentially. This is really space-age stuff for 1986. Ooh. Ball broke, luckily, to Stapleton there. And Stapleton with a chance. And a great block that was by Vervoort. And it had to be because the Belgians for once were unhinged. Galvin now. Stapleton up. And the header is there. Frank Stapleton gets the equaliser. 17 minutes gone. And there they are. The journey is worthwhile. And the Belgians unhinged by defensive frailty too. An incredible full length diving header from a rather speculative cross from Tony Galvin that's a fantastic old chaps really launched himself into that it was almost like the Van Persie kind of um, body shape from that amazing World Cup header a few years ago it's one of those he has no right to score from their goals like he should yeah he's around the penalty spot to get that much power on a header but it's Frank Stapleton so that's that's what happens as you said Dave no right to score that with your head it'd be more you'd think a volley from there would be the only way to do it but he stuck it right in the corner Fantastic equaliser, and uh, for a team that doesn't score that many goals away from home, that's that's a that's a really crucial one against a really strong opponent. And uh, Chiffon Brady uh, go, going head to head. Brady's fouled him there, not for the first time in the game. 
Yeah, I wonder is there is there a bit of um, frustration creeping through for Brady playing in this unfamiliar role and maybe watching uh, watching Enzo Schifo play the role that that he wants for himself and has uh, has excelled in over the past decade. Never a bad time to score, but that was perfect uh, time for the Irish equaliser. It was only a few minutes after that Belgium goal. Yeah, I suppose it's a <coughs> it's a characteristic we've we've already seen in this uh, Jack Charlton side. Only four or so games in, the the ability to bounce back, the resilience, the they they don't take um, they concede goals, but they they don't go into their shells. They come right back. Let's well, just to briefly draw your attention away from the game again. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but at this point in time, we had. Gay Byrne and Pat Kenny vying for the title of Ireland's most stylish man. The mm. king of style, actually, is how it's put in this Herald article. Slim pickings. I believe they used the word handsome in regard to Pat Kenny, which I think uh, probably dates it better than <laughs> anything you could possibly. <laughs> and for Gay Byrne, special aura. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, in fairness, t- time comes for, for us all, but he would have been very much a housewife's choice at this time, uh, Pat Kenny. I think he just turned 75, Jesus. As a wild Back shot then. from Shifo goes well over. But yeah, uh, the picture they've chosen of of Gay Byrne he does look like he's about to do a turn in panto. It's, it's, not, a, it's not the most uh, svelte or sophisticated picture of him. It looks like he has tinted hair, even though it's a black and white photograph. Oh, very close shave for Ireland there. Desmet for Belgium, the no- Belgium number ten, uh, taking on Lawrenson and taking a shot on the run there, but not. But yeah, went went wide. Yeah, just a toe poke, skews wide. I don't think Bonner was getting there. Ar- Ireland should really be two one down here. Yeah, he should have taken that on his left, but obviously not as. Favorite foot. As we also watch some enormous police dogs parade around the around I was just, the perimeter. I was, tr- I was trying to make out the breed of that dog. Was that there, a yeah. dog? I, I thought it was a bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it could be one of them big Leon burgers. Big, they're kind of bear-like. The Irish fans had been corralled and treated quite harshly by the the Belgian police before this game, which they were very kind of sore about because obviously the Belgians have the the tragic events of of last year in mind but uh the irish fans keen to keen to point out that they're not you know they're not english hooligans they're not british jobs and they don't deserve the same type of treatment bit of a a lull uh, after a fiery opening 25 minutes or so have a look at the hit list in the herald our old favorite um no sign of you guessed it, Stockton's wing this week. Um, not the most, not a, not a whole lot of numbers that I'm that we're that familiar with. I'd say in the A to Z of the hit list this week, lads. Any anything jumping out at you? I think don't leave me this way, but the communards is probably the the classic of the group. <laughs> Paul McCartney's press. I I I, I uh, heard of. I went to the trouble to listen to that yeah. one for you, uh, Turlock, and I have to say it's an unusual um, piece of cultural ephemera. Uh, 
It seems to be, what are we now? We're 86, um, McCartney. This song seems to be about pressing in a kind of a massage or sexual context. Um, it's kind of like... It's not a Jack Charlton reference, though. <laughs> not quite, no. It's more if you're stressed, you should press. And uh, he's got kind of a sleazy, kind of electronic bass line, electronic drums. It's a difficult listen, lads. And towards the end of the song, he starts kind of getting a bit fast and loose with his vocal stylings. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. Nor would I recommend Lady in Red by Chris the Bird, but maybe that's just me. Um, but a couple of decent tunes in there. Stuck with you by Huey Lewis in the news. Uh, Dancing on the ceiling or Dancing with Glenn Whelan as, as it's been repurposed. And uh, Human by Human League. Uh, I think everybody knows I just died in your arms as well. So there's a few de- decent tunes in there. But it's, uh, yeah, I don't think too many of these songs have have persisted through the ages. There's a Bananarama tune, More Than Physical, which I, get, I, didn't, I didn't get through it. Uh, again, very kind of sleazy, almost Rick James kind of bass line in that one. Um, Eurythmics, Thorn In My Side, that's the one. Um, how does it go again? Uh, oh, run away with you, run, run, run. Not a great tune, but um, Annie Lennox went on to produce some bangers, obviously. Um, Wild Wildlife. I haven't heard it now, but Gwen Guthrie ain't nothing going on but the I'm ranks. glad you like, mentioned that one Dave it's a it's a it's a great name for us it is yeah and it's a it's a it's a banger I have to say uh, Gwen Guthrie was a backing singer for um, Stevie Wonder and Aretha Franklin uh, she did a bit of songwriting as well and this is her biggest hit and uh, ain't nothing going on but the rent materialism Gwen isn't hanging around for anyone that isn't going to pay the rent I already want I'm already waiting for half time I just want to hear that now that would have been some goal that would have been some goal he teased and tantalised and then let fly with what was a ferocious shot but he just didn't have it on target ooh another chance for yeah, chance for Belgium there as as we were lost in music land. Shifo, was it? The man himself. That distinctive hairstyle. But he, he cuts in here on his right foot, back out onto the left, and whistles a shot not that far wide, but I think Bonner possibly had it covered. But a real warning for Ireland there. I think the hair is possibly a... Um a not tribute but a um a calling to to diego maradona who is obviously the best player in the world at the time yeah spot on there dave it does look a bit like that bullet of a shot there off his left gee how old was paul mcgrath around or <laughs> how old was paul mccartney around this time <laughs> paul mcgrath not to be confused uh, with paul mccartney I suppose McCartney's about 40-ish. At this point, the album that he has out, it's a picture of him and Linda 
and a very loving kind of pose. Yeah, I, I can't emphasize enough how, how that you shouldn't listen to that song, Press. Um, it's it's truly an <laughs> abomination. I, I, I think it, it felt like it was kind of, I think Relax would have come out about 83, 84, a couple of years before, and it feels like it's trying to kind of cash in on on the kind of sexual connotations innuendo and uh it's just it's just i I don't know i've got a particularly uh, ill feeling when it comes to paul mccartney around this era yeah i think far far too old to be at that kind of game trying to reinvent himself as some kind of tom jones esque uh sex god um also particularly you know just given that he was always the most twee and um childlike of of the beatles with what john lennon used to call his his granny music like uh when i'm 64 and maxwell silverhammer so yeah grow up Paul. that's good belgian sucking pretty confident here yeah, that's it. They just seem to be kind of taking a bit of a grip of the game and um, very settled in possession. But again, final third, they're just overhitting passes. They're not finding their men. Dave, as, as the resident kind of tactics expert, w- would you agree that, that Ireland aren't pressing that high in this game? Like they're not, Belgium are, are having a good bit of possession in their in their half. So that really kind of frenetic put him under pressure pressing isn't as isn't quite as evident yet yeah well uh, obviously it's an away game so uh, you know it's never going to be the same as as a home game in terms of the the pressure but uh uh as paul mccartney would put it um the press but um yeah it's it's quite it's quite relaxed but i think it's quite contained like uh, i know the Belgians have had maybe two or three chances and obviously got the goal, but that was from a set piece. And I don't think they've, well, they've had an awful lot of the ball. I don't think they've threatened an awful lot. And I think that's possibly down to design that the Jack has decided that you can sit back a little bit and just, just contain them because apart from Shifa, they're not offering an awful lot of threat at the moment. Very long balls and, and we are very good in the air. We have first class headers of the ball. And, and, and we're making use of it. That was one of them, Frank Stapleton. Now Galvin and Liam Brady. That was very nearly danger for Belgium. Cheeky little ball to play in from Liam Brady, driven hard into the box. Aldridge went sliding in and couldn't quite connect. Oh, lovely turn there. by yeah, lovely turn by Frank Stapleton. Set it up, laid it off to Galvin. Galvin played it in field to Brady, and he just whipped a kind of a cross shot across the, the face of goal. Um, unfortunately, I think it was Aldridge just couldn't quite connect with it, but that's that's uh, some really positive play for Ireland. I don't think don't know if Aldridge was necessarily going to, to finish that, even if he did connect, but uh, that was probably a textbook example of how Brady can can fit into this system because it was pretty route one, um, tidied up well by, by Stapleton. And then as we watch Brady's cross, just fizz across goal. We haven't seen an awful lot of Aldridge so far. Stapleton's obviously been very um, conspicuous, but Aldridge, I'm not entirely sure whether he's playing off the striker or as a striker. And as we drift before half time, I was just having a look at what's what's showing in the cinema for for those maybe who aren't glued to this on on RT One unusually. Um, 
And yeah, it's all films, or substantially films, that are still kind of in the public consciousness today. Uh, so Highlander is showing at the Adelphi. Pretty in Pink, The Colour Purple. Hannah and Her Sisters is at the Savoy. I mean, not all to my taste, but a really vintage period of cinema in terms of the ability of, of films to, the likes of Brewster's Millions, I can see even, to connect with an audience and to stay in the public consciousness, which I think is... Which I think is largely uh, is largely gone now. Corner there from Brady breaks to McGrath after a couple of bounces in the box. He doesn't quite know whether to go with the half volley or the head. He goes with the head and uh, nothing comes of it. But Ireland's still on the attack and still causing a, a fair bit of chaos in, in the Belgian defence with that very... Good defender from Hewton there. Crossed into the box and uh, possibly Shifo going for the header. But Hewton tidied it up. Oh. Oh, Quick corner dear. there. They went for the near post again, lads. Yeah, Bonner a bit more alive to it this time. Klaassen a, a bit less alive to it, and it's safely tucked into that extraordinary orange and black concoction that Paddy is wearing. That Actually make a good fisherman's outfit, now that I think, of, given that he's, he is from kind of a... I think he's from Inishon, isn't he? So, uh, you, you would certainly be spotted at sea if you went overboard in that. Coming up to half time, but Belgium are fairly relentless. Um, but they just don't have it in the final third. Well, that's it. That's the end of the first half. The highly satisfactory first half, not for this man, Gitaes, the manager of the Belgian team, but certainly from an Irish point of view. Verkaitren with the first corner of the game, giving Klaas the chance to unhinge the Irish defence. 1 0 to Belgium. And then four minutes later, Frank Stapleton making the tricolours wave with an equaliser from a diving header. Half-time score then in the Hazel Stadium in Brussels. Belgium 1, Republic of Ireland 1. We'll take a break and be back with more. So Ireland will be delighted to be going in at one all after, I think, a pretty even first half in which Belgium have dominated a possession um, but haven't really dominated Ireland in any other sense. Dave, what's your, your thoughts on, on the first half? Yeah, well, it's a standard Ireland away game. It's uh, it's a game that's been dominated by Belgium, but I don't think they've caused an undue amount of of trouble for Ireland, apart from a very preventable goal. Uh, they have had a couple of half chances, but they haven't really they haven't really looked like like kicking on um, at the moment. And Ireland scored a brilliant goal to uh, to bounce back from that early early concession. So it's. Uh, I think Jack Charlton would have been very, very happy after 45 minutes. Yeah, very good point there, Dave. We scored the better goal. We're the better team. <laughs> All right, we leave it there, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Let's take uh, a commercial break at this stage and then go back to Brussels. Now, having solved the Einstein theory of relativity, who can tell me how two Jacobs get the figs into the fig holes? Uh, uh, ah, yes, Faker Baker. Whoa, all Jacobs do is get the figs and the dough and the... <laughs> You're so smart, figs. Perhaps you can tell us. I ain't telling. Because that's one of life's sweet mysteries, sir. So? So I suggest we all chew on it. <laughs> Jacobs fig grows. Mrs. McCann bought a sliced pan. Oh, that's fresh to be sure, says Mrs. Moore. Baked today, I heard someone say. Be old, Mr. Brennan, said Mrs. Lennon. And you know, they wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Brennan's Today's Bread Today. You're welcome back. Guy Tace, the Belgian manager, with an effective pause in the dressing room. 
He hasn't made any changes in his lineup at halftime, nor indeed has Jack Charlton. Well, the sides are ready to begin the second half. Goal apiece. And certainly in the stadium, a very interesting and entertaining first 45 minutes we've had. And let's hope for good things from the second half. Yeah, we, we just caught a glimpse of Liam Toohey in the Archie studio at halftime. He really has that kind of slightly querulous, cranky, old Dublin little fella voice that you don't really hear very much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said on that. Uh, we were just saying as well that uh, Billow's uh, younger and um, yeah, he's a bit more of a cork twang in his accent. He does. If you listen to him in the 60s, he's he's pure cork. Has Belgian promising attack and it's kind of skewed wide, I think, by McGrath for a, an early corner in the first minute or so of the second half. So uh, Belgium looked like they got a bit of a rocket at halftime for their, their slightly uh, underwhelming end to the first half. Well, I'll tell you, Jack would have been raging at that, that goal that was conceded as well. So I'd say both teams have come out, come out fired up. A propos of nothing, uh, you know Trevor Welsh, the TV three commentator. I do. Mm. Um, what is, of course, Manchester United <laughs> or all this stuff? If you ever meet him, he is the most cork person in the world. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, believe it or not, Dave, like, I probably shouldn't leave this like, in, but I remember going down to Cork when I hadn't been down for ages, and people kept telling me it was so much more cosmopolitan now. So I got off the train walking through town and literally the first thing I saw was Trevor Welsh horsing into a kebab in Abra Kebabra. <laughs> Things haven't moved around. <laughs> you, you have to leave that in, Terla. That's that's what the people want. Oh, Kleisters. Weaves through the Irish defence. Uh, sadly, no longer with us, Kleisters, but you'd be familiar, I'm sure, with his, his daughter, Kim, who was a, a top tennis professional. Oh, I wasn't aware they were the same Kleisters. Dangerous break by the Belgians down the left again. Um, cross comes in. I think Bonner got a touch to it as it flashed across the six-yard box. Um, I think there was a a foul given against one of the attacking players. But um, yeah, Dave Langan done up like a kipper. So some real over-elaboration there. Brady won the ball back off Shifo in the middle. Set up a decent ball for Aldridge. Aldridge dawdled on it, fed it across the box. It wound up with Brady in a good shooting position. And he just kind of skewed it well wide uh, very disappointing uh, from a player of his class yeah they didn't really capitalise on uh, the Belgian keeper being out of position he was faffing around if you will oh sorry I'm sorry <laughs> it had to happen it did at some point yeah just briefly to, to jump back out to the weird world outside of this particular fixture um, Michael Jackson is in the news uh, he Wants to live till he's 150, and he's sleeping in a glass kind of oxygen chamber uh, type thing. He's also taken loads of vitamins, and he's only 28 at this point, but um, quite alarming kind of uh, things going on in, in Michael Jackson's life, even at this point. First, I'd like to thank God. And I'd like to say thank you for choosing Lionel and myself to write We Are The World. I suppose we'll just have to wait and see whether that happens. We will, we will. I'm not sure if he'll make it all the way to 150, but uh, if he makes it a third of the way, I think he's doing well, Dave. We were, um, we had a bit of Beatles chat in the first half. I was just 
wondering what would happen if if Jack had been manager of the Beatles. All I could think of was I, I think John Lennon would have been out. He's too too mercurial, too uh, too creative, and I think he would have got a big man in like Joe Cocker maybe up front. Place. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a good mental test. Uh, this thought experiment, Sherlock. Do you mean as a band or as a four-side <laughs> football team? That's that's where I'm stuck as well, Dave. Oh, oh, decent chance there. Quick free kick taken to Brady to to swing an in-swinger in. Header at the back post by Stapleton. Really powerful, well-directed header. Um, Aldridge couldn't quite connect, but he was offside in any case. And as, as you were both saying, John and Dave, he, he just looks a little bit off the pace. Whether that's because he's not. He's not uh, clicking with Stapleton, or whether it's adjusting to international football. He he certainly doesn't look like a kind of lethal thirty-goal season striker at the moment. This is a much better game in the second half. Both sides are kind of using the ball a bit more constructively. As as I say that, Brady immediately gives it away. Well, at least he's trying to string a few passes together rather than hoofing it. Belgium on the break. Oh, Desmet there uh, coming in from the inside right position. Turned in and left. I think it was Hewton on his arse. Bonner had to make a good save. We should say we're, we're eavesdropping on, on Ray Tracy, who's doing co- co-coms with George Hamilton here. And he's identified the problem as Paul McGrath um, not being sure if he's meant to stay or go or stick or twist. And that's causing gaps in the Irish defence. I think that should have been a second goal for Belgium. Yeah, we were speaking uh, before the break about um, Belgium having a lot of the ball but not really threatening a whole lot. That That's an example of what they actually can do. Yeah, if you were looking for something to do after the game, you, you, you could indulge in the Brendan Grace Fonanza at the Braymore Rooms in Churchtown, which I'm sure would be... Sorry, was that Bonanza you said there, Turlock? Oh no, it's a Fonanza. I had my fun, and that's all that matters. Tell me more. I, I don't think there's a whole lot more to tell, but we're promised <laughs> uh, games, fun, and crack with audience participation. So, um, You could also hear at the Angler's Rest um, Paul Cleary and the Partisans. I think he just left the Blades at this time. Yeah, they would have just they would have just broken up around then, yeah. Lovely guy, Paul, by the way. Yeah, I've heard same. Shamrock Rovers fan. Fingless disgraceness as usual. Fingless Castle hosting Miss Wet T-shirt International Exhibition Ireland and England. <laughs> Are you serious? Um. Oh man. Advertised alongside Laurie Hartz and his band. I see that that Johnny Logan seems to be doing the City Embankment, which I'm not familiar with, on a Saturday night. But already a Eurovision winner at this time. Um, I would have thought that was slightly, slightly beneath him. He helped me out with a. <laughs> Uh, with a, a function I was running um, in Ashburn a few years ago and he turned up in this kind of amazing sci-fi outfit with, with like these uh, what looked like gravity boots and this kind of slashed leather wow. jacket and you just kind of uh, I, I do wonder when you're someone like Johnny Logan do, like, do you have to keep up the pretense 24-7 can you ever it's a bit like Alice Cooper if you saw Alice Cooper like in, in, in the queue in front of you in Centra uh, without the makeup on, would it, would it completely <laughs> burst his bubble? <laughs> I'm picturing like a, a, a Irish remake of Wayne's World with Johnny Logan as the Alice Cooper uh, character. I think it'd work nicely. 
Nice footwork there by Brady, but the shot dragged well wide. There's there, there's just a bit of a... I don't know if he's second-guessing himself because of, of the role he's trying to play, but there's just a lack of conviction with his with his final ball here tonight for some reason, Liam Brady. I was behind uh, Eamon Dunphy in um, Spar and Ranelagh many, many years ago, actually. Um, he bought 30 fags, but he wanted them in three tens. <laughs> What would you change here, lads? If you could, if you could sling someone off, who would be who would be getting the hook? Galvin's been lively. Houghton hasn't really done too much, has he? He's not been heavily involved. Neither is Aldridge, but uh, I don't know if it's personnel rather than just uh, I suppose the the style of play. But you'd imagine Brady might be one who will be vulnerable to be taken off as well. Yeah, we're not going down the right much, so Houghton isn't seeing much action, you're right. But um, McGrath's not having a great game, he's, he's just not seeing a lot of the ball. I'd, I tend to agree, I think the two Oxford United lads haven't really contributed anything, has Neuraldridge, as uh, Moran flies into a very well-measured tackle there after a dangerous breakaway uh, by Clausen on the right, about 10 yards out from the Irish goal, and it's yet another Belgian corner, and yet another in-swinger. That's cleared away much more confidently. But yeah, Ireland seems to be dropping back further and further. Uh, looks like it does need some injection of something. And Klassen on the run. And interesting, it was McGrath who saw him coming and got back. And perhaps he sorted out his role a bit more now. He's certainly he's, he's sitting back further. Uh, the longer the game goes on, the further back he's going. So it's very important that Liam Brady continues to, to, to exercise his influence on it. Free header. That's a great goal! A superb goal by Enzo Schifo. And again, the Irish found out from the corner kick. Put right into the spot where Bonner couldn't reach. Enzo Schifo, the enigma of Belgian football. For Kaudrin, he saw what was on here. He took the corner quickly. And Schifo came in late got underneath it and well maybe Paddy Bonner's dive was a little swan-like but certainly that was quick thinking on Verkaldren's part and twice he has unhinged the Irish defence Super header from a cross in from the left uh, I spoke about him before the game Enzo Schifo the, the danger man the Andelect uh, mercurial midfielder I suppose to call him but uh, I suppose a lesser celebrated part of his game is from the quick the frick the quick corner kick he comes onto the edge of the box and that's a super header from all of 16 yards that is an amazing you don't see set pieces uh, like that really anymore do you the, the kind of header from like you would have seen it a little bit more the old header from the edge of the box but unreal I honestly don't think I've ever seen a goal like that we talked about how Frank Stapleton had no right to score his header well ditto that's just a, that's just a stunning header no chance Paddy Bonner whatsoever Dave you also talked about the, the volume of his hair as well I wonder did that lend an extra bit of spring to that to that uh, long range curling header there bit of weighted spring I mean the flip side of that goal is that Belgium's most dangerous player managed to arrive in the box um, unmarked from a set piece which is even if it was an incredible header from an incredible position is still a bit of a black mark against Ireland's 
defensive organization as as Guy Teese sucks on a cigar which is also something you would you would not see in contemporary football you wouldn't even see it in darts anymore <laughs> darts has gone woke <laughs> is there nothing sacred is, is there no sport left Uh, but yeah, as you say, Talak Shifo, even even if he was outside the box loitering, um, definitely somebody should have had an eye on him. And surprising that there was nobody on the back stick as well, uh, given the the time this was played. You'd always have a man on the front and back back post. So yeah, both goals coming from corners, one at the near post and one flying in at the back post. That you know, if you had someone standing on them, they should have sorted it out. I think it was the speed that really caught them out. They were sort of toddling back at a leisurely pace about to get organised and they didn't consider that Van Carteren could uh, send in the quick corner and Sheaf would be arriving at right at the right moment and headed in before they'd even got organised we have we have word coming in from the other game in this group between Scotland and Bulgaria that as yet it's goalless so a defeat here not necessarily fatal but it would mean that Ireland would really have to turn Belgium over in the, in the in the return fixture next year. Yeah, we just don't, we're not, you know, the high line you mentioned in the first half, um, it just, we don't seem to have it now and they're, they're getting a lot of passes, you know, right into the final third. That's cheeky. That's very cheeky. There's a bit of back pass between, uh, between Thaf and one of his defenders there, which involved both of them juggling the ball um, on their, on the volley and on their knees. That's, that's uh that kind of arrogance, you would hope, will will be will be karmically punished at some point. True, yeah. Faf, after a few little keepy uppies, just you know, lets it fall on the ground and then picks it up and boots it out. It's like absolutely no need for that. If if they tried that against Scotland, Graham Souness would double foot or two foot both of them and get a final warning from the ref. Good bit of pressure here from Ireland as we reach the last uh, quarter hour. Throw in on the right after a good move. Jeez, Brady has a lot of room to cross in from the right-hand side there. Very nicely worked between Langan and Brady. Brady with a decent ball to the back post, but it's just nicked away for a corner. And uh, this is the kind of cumulative pressure that, that Jack's teams typically rely on. So our Ireland subs on the bench are Ronnie Whelan and Jim Beglin. Might be, might be an argument for Whelan. If he's fit, yeah, Ronnie could do something probably for Houghton. Oh, foul throw by Chris Houghton! Absolutely inexcusable at this level of Jeez, football. Get, get Jim Beglin on the pitch. <laughs> Billo will be loving that. We discovered at halftime, Turlock, while you're making your tea, that uh, Billo is not a fan of Chris Houghton. It's a weird hill to die on, but okay. Oh, Clausen on the turn there. Shot deflected wide, I think, for a corner. And Paddy Bonner just... The absolute Chad move of just putting it on f down for a goal kick without waiting for the linesman's decision. And the linesman just goes, yeah, okay, you know better. So Ronnie Whelan is coming on for Tony Galvin. Wearing non number 13, somewhat inauspiciously. Also making some inauspicious alterations to his underwear on the on the sideline there, not very uh, dignified manner. Still in the year of of short shorts, I suppose you know. Yeah, colonoscopy shorts, as I once heard someone refer to them. 
as Frith well. comes absolutely steaming out of his goal, two two handed punch, almost to the halfway line. Uh, not sure it was warranted, but it was certainly spectacular. Faf's really coming into this game now. He's he, he definitely wants the camera on him a little bit more. Ireland being a bit more positive, but they'd want to be with just minutes to go. Shot of the Belgian bench there. They're all having a right old chuckle in their nice navy Adidas tracksuits. I wish they'd show the countdown more off. Yeah. We need a bit of jeopardy. Oh. Shifo uh, chipping the ball back to his goalkeeper, Faf, there, who's loving life at this moment in time. One of the best goalkeepers in Europe and one of the best at the World Cup. Here's a chance. Oh. No offside here. Stapleton going in on Faf and pulled down. Surely, yes. yes. Penalty kick. That was a very, very good move given the time of the stage of the game. Yes, it was excellent. Within 70 seconds of the end of it, and they kept the shape, they didn't get caught offside. What is Faf doing there? <laughs> right on the corner of his box. John, you were saying that he's loving life at the moment. <laughs> well, he seemed to kind of foul Stapleton while yeah. doing some sort of flying uh, maneuver. I don't know. Both arms out. He's definitely onside anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's extraordinary that the only question about that penalty is whether it was outside the box, which, given that the goalkeeper has conceded it, uh, no no need for him to be there at this stage of the game. And uh, it looks like it's falling on Liam Brady's head to equalise. So now, Liam Brady, who missed the penalty for Arsenal in the Cup Winners' Cup final here in 1980 the penalty shootout against Valencia Liam don't do it this time 2-2 the point is saved well deserved and I'm delighted for Liam Brady that he's answered the critics that he's had he's had a marvellous game tonight and it was a first class performance first class performance all the way around and we've got something we deserve something here and with almost the last kick of the game as we move now into injury time Liam Brady brings out the flags and 2-2 is the score. Yes, very cool penalty. Classic old school celebration as well. Ah, Dale, jump in the air with your arm up, letting your body flail around. He won't be smoking cigars tonight, the Belgian manager. <laughs> He's got a whole well, one to get through I there. I expect he might be smoking <laughs> about 40. But. And the match is over. And a remarkable night in the Hazel Stadium in Brussels ends in a chorus of boos from the Belgians but a remarkable performance by the Irish that I think in the end got its just award they definitely got their award they've worked very very hard Frank Stapleton and John Aldridge had they gone home with nothing to show for the amount of work, the amount of graft that they gave out there tonight it would have been an injustice so a hell of a good result and quite a good performance from the Irish team Jean-Marie Faf departs disgusted but the Irish will go home delighted with goals from Stapleton and Brady against Klassen and Schifo. The final score of the Hazel Stadium. Brussels 2, the Republic of Ireland 2. What do you think that's deserved? Deserved point? No. <laughs> but, uh, in a word, but you'll take it. Yeah, we definitely, yeah, we kind of ground out a draw, maybe, you could say, there. Um, there's a good good bit from uh, Eamon actually after this game. Uh, he had 
done he devoted a full article to to Faf uh, because he really felt he got his comeuppance uh, at the end of that game by giving away the penalty. <laughs> uh, he described him as a buff, which I don't know. When I was growing up, a buff was short for buffer, which was like a country person. So I was a buffer to the lads in town. Well, the the the, the reaction in the newspapers to this resulted in the media, and I think around the country is is a pretty um. A pretty ecstatic one because Ireland are, are not used to being on the, the positive end of kind of late drama, particularly in, in big qualifiers away from home. So I think a lot of people feel that this bodes very well for for Jack's um, for Jack's tenure. The fact that he, he has imbued the team with sufficient confidence and belief to keep going to the end and to score two goals away from home, which is rare enough, um, and to uh, yeah to to fight the fourth best team in the world to, uh, to a stalemate. Well, we hope for a result. We got it, and I think there's a great irony uh, in relation to what happened five years ago, so justice probably done. The other results tonight, Scotland nil, Bulgaria nil, obviously uh, is a boon as well. It means everyone's pretty much even Stephen after the first round of matches. Um, Luxembourg will play Belgium in October and then the following day on the 15th Ireland will take on Scotland at Lansdowne Road in an absolutely massive game that I'm already going to confidently say is not going to be a classic uh, just based on, on the profile of those two teams and their recent form. That'll be uh, our next game. Any any further thoughts before we wrap up here gents? In terms of the proper competitive start to the Jack Charlton era I don't think it could have gone much better barring a win which I don't think was ever going to happen but uh, yeah I think he'd be very happy with that point uh, against a good Belgium team who the the main priority is not losing to them not not falling behind them at this early stage so yeah he, I'd say he'd be very happy with how it went maybe not the performance too much but uh, certainly the result yeah great result and uh, Stapleton led the team really well uh, up top and Brady had a good game in the centre of the park so that's um, two of our best players really doing well. And I think uh, probably the the main takeaway from the game is that uh, Paddy Bonner's jersey is absolutely fantastic. I think that's, well, well neither team won on the pitch. I think uh, fashion won on on, uh, on the TV screen. That's it. Send that jersey to Gabo and he'll he'll clearly be ahead of Pat Kenny <laughs> in the uh, the King of Style race. <laughs> Okay, just to just to wrap up some of the other scores from around Europe tonight, uh, Romania beat Austria 4-0 in Group 1 with goals from Lakatush and Hagi among the goal scorers there. Shock results in Group 3, Iceland 0, France 0. Um, dire start to the competition for France, the, the reigning champions, let's remember, of the European Championships. In Group 6, also not a great result for Wales, held in Finland 1-1. And as we said in Group 7, Belgium 2, Ireland 2, Scotland 0, Bulgaria 0. Uh, a big result in Olympic qualifying, and big purely in numerical terms, because uh, Liechtenstein have been beaten 10-0 at home by Switzerland. Uh, this is, I think, their first foray into senior international football. And it's real well, start as you mean to go on, I suppose. Um, cup... <laughs> Okay, so we'll be back at Lansdowne Road for that next crucial qualifier against Scotland. So until then, uh, delighted to have been joined once again by filmmaker and producer John Breslin. Thanks so much for your time, John. Cheers, Turlock. Cheers, Dave. And also, as ever, by sports writer Dave Donnelly. Dave, thanks a million for your contributions. Cheers, Turlock. Cheers, John.
we'll see you again very soon. Please do keep sharing the podcast. It makes a huge difference if you share the link around your social networks or your personal networks or whatever. Um, Get as many ears on this as possible and we'll keep bringing it to you for as long as we can. So uh, we'll see you next time on the next episode of Back to Jack. Bye for now. And up yours as well.